All right, we are back and uh, here in studio at KSGF 104.1 on the Nick Reed Show. Mornings with Nick Reed. Is that the official title? Yeah. <laughs> Sarah's. I'm just messing with things over here. She this just, is why I'm clearly not in control. She's jamming to the intro music. Well, let me tell you something. So <laughs> the other day. I'm I, glad you like it because you hear it a lot. I do. I mean. Well, let me tell you, I was at uh, Buffalo Walmart the other day and they play their music so loud. They have it in the parking lot and I like it. I like to jam out a little bit. But the other day. I heard this song come on and I felt like a racehorse because I heard it and I was immediately like, Nick show. Yeah, that's what what I felt like. I was like, oh, God, I got to get to the station. But because you don't ever hear it, like just randomly played. So when I heard it, I don't know. Yeah. Like a racehorse. It's Pavlovian. (laughs) Familiar with Pavlov's dog? Yes. Okay. Not 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 making any connections, of course, but still. <laughs> All right. So uh, Amendment three, like I said, you know, we there's there's all kinds of problems with it. Um, some of them are are immediate. Some of them are potentially bad. Let me let me just say this. Anytime, anytime you amend the Constitution of the state of the nation, there are always, always, always. Always unintended consequences. Uh, Like I've said so many times, you can throw the pebble into the pond, but you don't get to control where the ripples go. And uh, that's just true of Amendment 3. And there are a lot of people who are seeing this and they say, wow, we get to we get to we get to legalize recreational use marijuana. And regardless of how you feel about that, there are individuals who are excited about the principle. But they don't realize what they've done is, is they've put something in the Constitution that says there are penalties above a certain weight. And should the national government decriminalize marijuana, that will still be there in the Missouri State Constitution. And um, you can't just change it. It would require another vote of the people. It would require another constitutional amendment. And any time you're putting something into the Constitution that you have... Uh, better than average chance of having to revise it later. It shouldn't go into the Constitution. It, it, it is bad policy, and I I don't know I don't know what the legislature is going to do. Uh, should this not should this not pass? I don't know if they'll take up the issue. I know there are a lot of people who want them to want us to. I got to quit saying them. I'm part of it, or will be shortly, um, but. I don't believe Amendment 3 is a good idea for any of those reasons that I stated and probably several more than I don't want to belabor the point, but it's it's bad policy. All right. um, Amendment 4. It reads, um, shall the Missouri Constitution be amended to authorize laws passed before December 31st, 2026, that increase minimum funding for a police force established by a state board of police commissioners to ensure such police force has additional resources to serve its communities. 
State and local governmental entities estimate no additional cost or savings related to this proposal. All right. This is entirely about Kansas City, which is funny because, you know, it's written in the plural. Uh, Should this be done to ensure such police force has additional resources to serve its communities? Plural. This this is Kansas City. And the reason why this is put in place is because Kansas City is the only city in the state that has a uh, police board that oversees the function and funding of the police department there for Kansas City. Uh, There are no other cities that have such an entity. But in order for it to be constitutional, it has to be written in such a way that it applies everywhere that this is found. It's just that it's only found one 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 place it's it's common in our state's history for laws to be written for uh application for all cities that do not uh exist within a county well that's st louis you know but but because laws have to be applied equally to everybody they write it in such a way that it, it would apply to any and all cities that meet that description it's just we only have one we gotta go to news oh Sorry. No, no, no. It's my fault. I just let you ramble a little bit. Hundred percent. It's just another example number four thousand and twelve. Why? Why I am a guy occasionally on the radio, but not a radio guy. <laughs> well, let's get news with Jason Ryman. All right, let's do that real quick, and then we'll come back. Yes. And the first alert forecast today, it's going to be sunny with a high near 73. Tonight, mostly clear with a low of 49. On Wednesday, sunny with a high near 73, wind chill of 48. On Thursday, mostly sunny with a high near 75. And on Friday, partly sunny with a slight chance of rain, high near 75. Currently in Springfield, it is clear and 44. There you go. All right. So Amendment 4 uh, deals only with Kansas City, and that's because the mayor um, tried to go through this whole defund the police ridiculousness. And uh, this this amendment to the Constitution would allow for um, any laws passed uh, essentially over the next four years. Um, to take effect irrespective of what the mayor and or the council would want. And it would not allow for the uh, defunding of the police in Kansas City because of this amendment. I, I have real mixed feelings about this because the federalist side of me, which is the biggest part of my political ideology is that federalism, American federalism, is the best form of governance that that has ever been instituted in the world short of um, back in back back in Israel when God told the king what to do and the king did it. You know, I mean, those 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 direct connections to the almighty are better uh, so long as the king actually listened. Um, but short of that, this this our system of government, I believe, is the best form that the world has ever seen. And federalism says that the national government has has a role and the state government has a role, but the local government has a role as well. And, you know, if you elect bad politicians for your city, you kind of deserve whatever stupid stuff they bring down upon you. You know, and so a big part of me says, well, Kansas City, yeah, it's bad. I I hate that they want to defund the police, but you guys elected those dopes and now you're stuck with them. I don't know what to tell you. Quit voting for these goobers. That that, that is a that is a viable position to hold. But 
we also got to take a look at the other side of the coin. We're going to do that when we come back right after this break. All right. As per usual, we have no time because I talk way too much, but that's kind of the point of talk radio. So uh, let's get right back into it. So this 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 amendment for specifically for the Kansas City Police Department and making uh, it, it constitutional that the funding cannot be ignored by the mayor and or council um, if it's approved by the state police board on behalf of the Kansas City Police Department for the next four years, essentially. Um, again, a big part of me is like, well, that city, they voted for these goobers, and um, and now they got to suffer the consequences of gooberish politicians and policies. And, you know, I believe that. You have to allow people liberty demands that people can be just as ridiculous as they want to be. And... <laughs> I hate to see it, and I hate to see people make decisions that have negative impacts on themselves and their neighbors, but that's why it's so important to actually get out and vote. That's why it's so important to look for candidates that are going to be constitutionally minded, that are going to be conservative in their fiscal responsibilities, and honest and transparent, and don't have political agendas that are contrary to the society itself. But in Kansas City... They elect the same people over and over again because they represent what the majority of citizens want to see. Okay, Scooter, congratulations, you won. Here's your prize. You know, they're going to they, they want to defund the police in a city where crime is just nuts anyway. And and so uh, uh, the big perspective is, um, yeah, um, that stinks, but you asked for it. So here you go. However, there is such a thing called Dillon's Law or Dillon's Rule. And what that says is, is that municipalities and uh, counties, political subdivisions of all stripes, they are the creature and creation of the state. The state is sovereign. Kansas City is not. The state is sovereign and the citizens of the state have the right to depend upon the state to protect their rights, freedoms, and liberties. It's the purpose of the state is to do that. That is the sole purpose of government is to protect their rights, liberties, and freedoms. Well, okay. So it could be argued that it is the state that is the stopgap against Kansas city and other cities acting a fool. And that's the premise under which uh, Amendment 4 is being proposed, that the state is going to stop the insanity of Kansas City government trying to defund the police because citizens of Missouri live in that area and they deserve protection from the government against the government. All right, I can see that too. It is good, I think, that if it were to be done, it has a sunshine date or a sunset date, excuse me. You know, it's four years, so it's not forever, and that makes it more palatable. But again, I'm not sure this is a constitutional issue, except for the fact that it is a state board. 
So I, I can I can justify and make the argument either way on this. It sounded very politician-like, didn't it? Uh, I can make the argument either way on this, but it really comes down to whether or not you believe um, the mayor of Kansas City ought to be able to defund the police in the largest city in the state. And Amendment 4 would, would if it's a yes, would... Uh, stop that, and if it's a no, you let them suffer the consequences of their voting or lack thereof. And I think an argument can be made either way. All right, we are going to take another quick break. Then when we come back, we're going to talk about Amendment 5, which deals with the National Guard, and then we're going to look at the constitutional question that comes up every 20 years. Um, Take your calls as well, 447-5743, and we'll be right back after these messages. All right, we are uh, we're back here. This is Darren Chapel filling in for Nick Reed here on KSGF one zero four one. It's always a privilege to be with you all, and we have a caller, Ron in Pleasant Hope. Good morning, Ron. You're on KSGF. Good morning to you. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to comment. Uh, I think our amendment process sure needs to be changed. It seems like every time we vote, we're voting on some kind of amendment. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be harder some way. Yeah, the uh, and and a part of that is the question of the initiative petition process, where yeah. you know you have to get so many signatures per district in the state, and then it has to be passed by you know just a simple majority. And um, yeah. the 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 real problem is, is how much out of state money comes in, and mm-hmm. and so you know millions and millions of dollars being spent on issues that. Missourians weren't even talking about. <laughs> they brought it in from out of yeah. state and then thrust it upon us, and then, and then it has consequences uh, for us forever. I, I think you're right. I yeah. think the amendment process itself needs to be corrected. But of course, the irony therein, it requires a constitutional amendment to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, So it makes it tough. It really does. And a a lot of people are a lot of people struggle with it. One other thing I've thought of this before, you know, and it's kind of off the subject, but can the state of Missouri pay the salaries of our U.S. representatives and senators? Because I think we'd have better control over them if we paid their salaries, the state itself. Yeah, of course we do in our federal taxes, obviously. But no, yeah, uh, no, yeah, no. They're paid by they're paid by the national government. The state doesn't have any authority to do that. We don't. There, there have been states. Washington had a law that allowed for recall. I believe it was Washington, and this has been forty years ago. And they tried to recall their their congressman, and uh, it was ruled unconstitutional. So once we elect them, they're there, and there's just not a lot we can do to rein them in except show up in a couple of years and vote them out of office. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, thank you for your time. Uh, congratulations on your win there. Oh, that's great. I, I, uh, my, grand, my, grand, my grandparents used to live in Pinhook, and that's how you can tell the real, real Pleasant Hope locals is if they use Pinhook instead of Pleasant Hope. But uh, uh, I've always enjoyed the community there. Yeah. So, thank you very much. Preach a few times. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Well, good. Good. Well, thank you for your call. All right. Um, so, Amendment uh, Five deals with the uh, National Guard. And it reads: Shall the National Missouri National Guard, currently under the Missouri Department of Public Safety, 
be its own department known as the Missouri Department of the National Guard, which shall be required to protect the constitutional rights and civil liberties of Missourians. State governmental entities estimate no savings and ongoing costs of $132,000 annually. Local governmental entities estimate no costs or savings. So out of the 50 states, Missouri is one of two wherein the National Guard is not a department-level organization. And uh, department-level means that they would answer directly to the governor and um, have its own department and its own access to the governor's mansion and the governor's ear. Back in the 70s, I believe it was, we went through a governmental reorganization The Department of the National Guard did exist at that time, but it was moved under the Department of Public Safety. And it it was just it was an effort to try and streamline government and 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 coordinate departments where their mission overlapped. And at the time, we really only saw the National Guard being called out. This was after Vietnam. So we really only saw the Department uh, the National Guard being called out for issues like natural disaster recovery, um, protection during riots, things like that. And we just in Missouri, we just don't haven't in the past had that many riots, not until, you know, recent years with Ferguson and everything. You just didn't see it, you know. We don't we don't we don't act that way. And so um, placing it under the Department of Public Safety, I'm sure at the time made sense. But now we see National Guard units being nationalized and sent overseas uh, into combat. Um, They've changed the way in which the National Guard promotes itself and. and and even the even the awards that are offered in the National Guard, they're much more in line with the regular army. And it's just it's a different it's a different context than when this reorganization took place nearly 50 years ago. So the question now is, do we want to go back to the way it was? Should the National Guard have its own access directly to the governor? Now, don't misunderstand. When there's a crisis, when there's a problem, the governor calls the Department of Public Safety and says, I want to call out the National Guard. They don't tell the governor no. They don't. But although the Department of Public Safety and the National Guard, their mission overlaps significantly, it's not a hundred percent, and there are instances wherein the National Guard would act that the Department of Public Safety may not want that to be the answer to whatever the problem may be. Now, I I, I don't know that it would have made any difference whatsoever, but if the National Guard had direct access to the governor when Ferguson was occurring, might. Governor Nixon have called them out if he was hearing from them directly and them saying, look, Governor, this is a real problem. We can help stop this. Might Governor Nixon have called them out on, in Ferguson and saved lives and property damage and everything? Is is that possible? I, I don't know, but we can't know because that wasn't an option at the time. So. Amendment 5 would put them in that position of being an actual department with direct access to the governor. Um, And if you're in favor of that, 
then that's a yes. And if not, then it's a no. We've got to take another quick break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about the constitutional question and what that entails right here on KSGF 104.1. The first alert forecast today, it's going to be sunny with a high near 73. Tonight, mostly clear with a low of 49. On Wednesday, sunny with a high near 73, wind chill of 48. On Thursday, mostly sunny with a high near 75. And on Friday, partly sunny with a slight chance of rain, high near 75. Currently in Springfield, it is clear and 44. Okay, so... um We've looked at the amendments uh, one, three, four, and five together. There is another statewide question on the ballot, and it is the constitutional convention question. Now, there's been a lot of uh, misunderstanding about this. The we're talking about a convention for the state constitution, not a convention of states, plural. Uh, which would be an Article 5 constitutional convention for the national government. And that's a whole separate issue, whole separate set of questions. This is only, only about the state constitution. And it is in the state constitution that every 20 years, this question has to be presented to the voters. So no, nobody did this. Recently, this has been going on for some time, and it, it was presented to the voters in 62, 82, 2002, and here we are in 2022. It's time for the question again. Um, this this has never passed. Uh, it's always lost uh, by a three-to-one uh, measure, um, more or less, I mean, or two-to-one in some instances, but it's it's never been close to passing. And... On on a surface ideological perspective, I'd love to have a constitutional convention. Are you kidding me? First of all, like I said, our con- our current constitution, we're in the fourth version of it in the state since 1821. But our current constitution went into effect in 1945, and it's been amended 119 times, which is ridiculous. I mean, there's only 27 amendments to the national constitution. It's, you know, much, much older than that. Um, there are things in the constitution itself that are contradictory with within the document. Um, there are things in there that have no business being in the constitution because it just should have been a statutory issue. The question of initiative petition and how that is undertaken. I'm not against it. I'm not against hearing the voice of the people. I, I, I think that's extraordinarily important. But because of the ramifications of altering the Constitution, it ought to be more, um, it ought to be a higher hurdle to jump than simply passing legislation by initiative petition. You want to pass a law? Perfect example is the puppy mill bill. So that was done, and but it was statutory, and um, people voted for it because who doesn't like puppies, right? The only problem with it was puppy mill was never defined, and the language was so broad that it applied not just to dogs, not even just to dogs and cats, but to farm animals as well, livestock. 
and it would have required, you know, cattle to be brought in during the winter and have access to a heated space and air conditioning during the hottest parts of the summer. And, you know, people who've never even been on a farm, you know, the the closest thing they've ever come to to farm life is they, they saw something on television, reruns of Green Acres or something stupid like that. They've never been on a farm. They don't understand livestock, animal husbandry. They don't understand any of it. And it was pushed by PETA and the Humane Society of the United States. Now, I want to be clear, your local Humane Society is not the same thing as the Humane Society of the United States, HSUS. But you've got people in in HSUS and PETA who have publicly advocated that, you know, nobody should own animals for any reason. They would do away with all pets, they would do away with ownership of, of pets. They would do away with ownership of livestock. Certainly the the use of livestock for food. You know, they, they just would do away with all that because they, they're animal rights activists, not animal care activists. And the significant difference between the two. But, you know, the puppy mill bill was put forth. It was Proposition B. And people voted for it, not understanding the dramatic implications of our food and our, our clothing and everything else that goes into the process of what it was going to do, let alone what it was going to do to the local farmers and ranchers. Well, because it was statutory, the legislature fixed it. And in fact, the big push for that was a state representative by the name of Mike Parson, who is now our governor. And uh, there were individuals who worked on the ground uh, outside of governmental uh, structures proper who were who were heavily advocating for the 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 correction of Prop B. One of those individuals was a, a young lady by the name of Sonia Anderson, who then became one of our state representatives and an excellent voice of the people. So I got no problem with that kind of stuff because sta- statutory. Um, issues that are passed but have problems, they can be corrected. They can be altered by the legislature, which is the representative body of the people. I mean, you only get to be a state rep or a state senator because a majority of people voted for you as opposed to the other options. So you are reflective of the people. That's the whole point of a Republican form of government. So I got no problem with statutory issues being decided by the 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 structure of initiative petition. But when we're looking at constitutional amendments, that's a whole nother issue because you just can't control what's going to happen down the road. And once it's in the constitution, it's there and it dictates everything else. So all the amendments and all the contradictory information it's a problem. I would love to have a constitutional convention. However, and we'll get to the however on the other side of the break right here on KSGF 104.1. All right. I know it's random, but it just cracks me up stuff that comes up on the bumper music. Sorry. All right. Um, so, so, yeah, I totally would love to uh, do a constitutional convention from a historical perspective, if nothing else. Crying out loud, it'd be like being at, 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 at 
in in Philadelphia in in 1787, writing the Constitution together and putting forth everything. But see, the problem is the reason why that works so well in the Constitutional Convention is because we were surrounded by individuals who were bona fide, no joking around geniuses when it came to political theory and social understanding and and what it meant for men and women of liberty and conscience to live together. I mean, just unbelievable giants of philosophical thought and comprehension. And I'm looking around and man, we just seem to be fresh out. (laughs) I mean, you know, we're who, 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 who has that status? Who has the status that you just say, you know what, these these guys, these guys and gals over here, uh, yeah, tell us how we ought to live. <laughs> I know a lot of people with a lot of opinions, but I don't know that many individuals who are just no joking around geniuses, so much so that I'm willing to say, you know what, you probably ought to make the decisions. Uh, am I wrong? And you say, well, we're going to let the people decide which ones. Now, the provision here, and you can read the full text, it allows the parties to each nominate somebody, but they cancel each other out largely. And then and then you're talking about the people who get selected at random from by, by the senatorial district in which they live. And by random, I mean, it's not random. They get selected. But, but you know, average everyday folks, which is fine. That That's terrific. But as the prophet quoted Jehovah God in Hosea chapter four and verse six, this principle is still true. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Let me give you a quick example of what I'm talking about. You see it all the time. And if not this exact bumper sticker, something along these lines or something along the same principle of of messaging Uh, You'll see something like uh, the Second Amendment is my concealed carry permit. Okay, it's a really cool line. It's a good bumper sticker. But it's just not correct. That's not true. (laughs) Um, The Second Amendment, the Constitution was written in 1787. It was ratified in 1789. The Bill of Rights, which were promised to be coming... Uh, which is why the anti-federalists eventually capitulated and, and, and the Constitution was ratified in 1789. The Federalists said, look, we'll come back with a Bill of Rights. Now, some of the anti-federalists didn't like the idea of a Bill of Rights either because they were afraid that if you list the rights, that it would imply those are the only ones you have. And they were afraid that someday you might get pulled over by a cop who said something like, I don't know, you have the right to remain silent. You have the right to an attorney. And do you understand these rights as I've read them to you as if those are the only ones you have? Crazy, right? Well, the Bill of Rights was ratified in 1791, but it was intended only, all of them were only intended to apply to the national government. They were never intended to apply to to the states. The states could absolutely have a state religion. The states could absolutely ban firearms. The states could absolutely require you to house soldiers in your home. But the national government couldn't. 
And that was the purpose and the intent of the first 10 amendments, the Bill of Rights, to apply as a restriction against national governmental encroachment. But the states were not bound by that at all. And they were not bound by any of them until um, the 20th century. You know, the 14th Amendment was passed and and that nationalized the concept of citizenship that occurred in 1868. But it wasn't until the 1920s that the doctrine of incorporation really came into effect and those amendments were applied to the states. So the Second Amendment was not applicable to the states until 2010 is 12 years ago. That's how long the states have had to abide by the Second Amendment per the Constitution. So. Although it's a catchy bumper sticker, it's not factual, but people believe that it is, and their belief creates a misperception so that they they think something is wrong when in point of fact it was right. Okay, but how many different levels of government and areas of political philosophy are there misconceptions held commonly by people, and yet these, these, these same individuals are going to be the ones who write a constitution that we all have to live under? I don't know, guys. It's sketchy. It really is. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but we've got to uh, take another real quick break, and we'll be right back here on KSGF. Okay, so um, talking about the constitutional question is whether or not the uh, governor should call a convention for the amendment and or replacement of the Missouri state constitution. And again, this happens every 20 years because the constitution itself calls for the question to be presented on the ballot every 20 years. And it's it's time. Um, Theoretically, I love this idea. Uh, Practically, it's really difficult because people who know uh, political theory and political um, um, mechanization and and the process are precluded. So you can have no elected officials in the convention itself. I understand why you don't want them saying, hey, we're going to change the Constitution and state reps all make a million dollars a year now. Totally get it. Can't have that. Don't want that. But the idea that people who are not focused on political theory, societal theory, the social contract, don't don't focus on that and instead have specific agendas that they want to push that that this this group of individuals will be brought together to create a document under which all of us would have to live for another 20 years. It seems problematic to me. I I love the idea, but the, the way in which it is called to be put together is, is difficult. Now, uh, the factor is the factor that, that that offsets that is is that when the governor calls the convention and the delegates are selected and they go and they do the thing, um, it then has to be brought to the people for a vote. And surely the people would not vote for an amendment to the constitution of the state that was bad for the people long term. Except we've seen them do it. Over and over and over again, there are 119 amendments to the Missouri State Constitution, and I absolutely promise you there's going to be at least a couple more come next week because people vote in ways that I don't always understand. 
and too many don't vote at all. And too many aren't even registered to vote. They don't care. They don't know. And and that's all there is to it. And I wish that weren't true, but not everybody is given to political theory and political philosophy the way that some of us are. And we 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 get excited about the process. If you you like me, you, you love this stuff, you get excited about the process and just assume that everybody else ought to like it, too. But there are way, 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 way more people who are worried about what in the world the Kardashians are doing than what Jeff said he's doing to you or Washington, D.C. is doing to us. <laughs> so as long as that's true, it's it's difficult to have a real consensus of what the Constitution ought to be like. And like I said, I struggle to find a significant number of bona fide, no joking around geniuses in political theory and social contract theory um, that I would entrust and just simply say, yep, you guys, you guys handle it. And whatever you come up with, I'm sure it's going to be cool. That's what we had in 1787. <laughs> but man, having a hard time finding them now there are there are there are people who are actually holding office who've been elected by their constituencies that 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 shouldn't be shouldn't be dog catcher anywhere let alone in charge of stuff i see it i've seen it for decades so i'm 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 struggling with the whole constitutional question issue so that's it. Those are the uh, those are the questions that are going to be on your ballot. Springfield also has special issue one, which is the whole Galloway uh, neighborhood deal. I'm only going to say this about that. We fought a revolution about property rights once. <laughs> property rights are sacrosanct. And so that issue needs to be addressed and needs to be looked at and it needs to be taken very seriously. And if you live in Springfield, I just want to encourage you, do your research Vote your conscience. We're going to take our top of the hour break and come right back. This is Darren Chapel filling in for Nick Reed on KSGF 1041. <laughs> 